Yeah, I think I've got it going to Facebook. I think it's just setting up now, and then we'll uh, we'll get going. Um, just checking my Padmanabha Maharaj's uh, checklist, all the things, um, and then we can get going. Okay, so I'll start with Mangala Charan, uh, as always. Um, Om Manjana Timirandasya Nyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Siddhanto Palasaranityarasikam Hangsang Vilasatmakam Adaryakya Siddhama Sevakadanam Vishram Bhavakti Pradam Yatya Yukti Vichakshanam Vagavedo Vishishta Shakya Sada Vandehang Triparari Namakayating Sri Bhakti Vedantinam Vanchakalpaturubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Ajanolambita Bhujau Kanakavatatau Sankirtanaika Patarau Kamalaya Takshau Vishwambarau Dijavarau Yuga Dharma Palau Vandejaka Priyakarau Karunavatarau Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurudaye Pushpavanto Chitro Shandotamonudao Vande Hang Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charanasukau Sukadao Paramanandao Sundaro Subalo Priyo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi, Rade Vrindavaneshwari, Rishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Hari Priye. Vandana Karite Mui, Kata Shakti Dari, Tamo Budidoshe Mui, Damba Matrakori, Tatapi Mukera Bhagya Manero Ulas, Toshakshami Modame Koronijadas. Hare Krishna, everybody, welcome. Um, so I'll get going. Uh, uh, thank you. Good morning and good afternoon and all the different time zones. I know we're spread out. It's just speaking to Kali Yuga Pavana and it's amazing, isn't it? How, how spread out everyone is. It's uh, the power, the power of technology. Um, so I'd like to thank obviously Guru Maharaj and, and also Padmanabha Maharaj for, um, for engaging us in, in uh, this service. Um, I, like many of you, I'm sure, who received the message, uh, the, the dreaded message of Padmanabha Maharaj about um, doing, doing class, uh, giving class, uh, I was really nervous instantly, like what, no clue what to think about, uh, what to talk about. Um, but I thought about it, and one book that really has been a big part of my personal journey um, in various ways has been a, been a guiding force. Um, I, and, and I think for, for a lot of devotees, it is Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, or at least the Eastern Ocean of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So I can't claim to be an expert on it. Uh, I'm not deeply scholarly um, in the truest sense of the word, but I, I have an interest in the philosophy um, and I'd like to study it more. And the, I, this series is given an opportunity to go a bit deeper into it. Um, and it's what one stood out to me for a variety of reasons. Um, and, I'm sure most of you who are on the call or, or watching, you're aware of the importance of um, this text, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in our Sampradaya. But just for the benefit of anyone who might not be, um, just want to give some brief reasons why it's such an important text 
um, for, for us particularly as Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Um, and, and, and before we get into the specifics um, in terms of refining our desire, which is, which is really what this is about, um, this series. So as, as I'm sure you're, you're all aware, um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu was written um, by Srila Rupa Goswami um, after he was instructed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, in Prayag. And so uh, he, then, he then elaborated on those teachings. So Rupa Goswami heard those teachings directly from Mahaprabhu, and then he elaborated on them, drawing from the different uh, Vedic literatures to, um, to support what he was presenting. And so what he really gave in, in Srila Prabhupada's words, um, uh, the science of devotion, you know, the science of bhakti. Um, so I, I like this, this term my Guru Maharaj sometimes uses of um, conceptual orientation. So he gave this lens for which to view the Bhagavatam um, or the conceptual orientation. It, it shapes how as Gaudiyas, we, we approach the scripture um, and the rest of the Shastra and all the teachings found throughout the Vedic canon. So, so it helps us understand why we do what we do on some level. Like, I guess the mechanics, if you can call it that, but I don't like to use such a, a bland word for something so beautiful, of course. Um, but we, we know the Vedas are vast, you know, and, and Krishna points out quite early on in the Gita that they deal with temporary results. Uh, mostly they deal with the modes of nature, with karma kanda. And so um, Rupa Goswami has, has drawn from the Vedas to emphasize what uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, what came to give, uh, which is obviously Krishna Prema, uh, as being the best goal and the, the best uh, presenting that, that path towards that goal. So obviously in itself, the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke to Rupa Goswami, I think uh, highlights it being an important text. But I, th I thought it'd be nice also to be able to meditate on these personalities also, um, to go through a few, few of the personalities that give weight to the idea that it's an important text. And so um, Srila Vishwanath Chakravadi Thakur is obviously a prominent teacher in our, in our um, lineage. Um, and so he wrote a commentary on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, there's obviously Jiva Goswami wrote a commentary, but then Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur wrote a commentary, but it seemed like that wasn't enough for him. You know, he thought, okay, I've got to, I've got to write some more on this text. It's such a, such a beautiful text. Um, so he wrote many supplementary books um, to help us go deeper into understanding it. Um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu comes to mind, uh, Madhuri Kadambini, um, and we know that's based on just two verses from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, so you can just imagine um, how deep he was going into it. Um, and, and there are others as well. There was a really nice recent series of classes a little while back, Pabhanam Maharaj gave on um, Raghavat Machandrika, this, this was a really nice series, uh, which draws out more details from the, the Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti side of things. Um, I highly, highly recommend that series. Um, and of course, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur wasn't the only Acharya to give, give importance to the text. Um, many, many others, for example, um, Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur, uh, in different ways he, he, he wrote about it. As I think what comes to mind to me at the moment is his analysis in, um, on Shikshashtakam, that he, he kind of analyzed Shikshashtakam through these verses from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that uh, Madhuri Kadambini is, is based on. But in the interest of time, I'd like to bring it a bit closer to home. Um, so uh, as, as I'm sure you're all aware, uh, Srila Prabhupada, um, as we know, he produced a summary study on the Bhakti Rastamrita Sindhu uh, known as Nectar of Devotion. And what I, what I personally found interesting 
is that although there are many were many facets to Srila Prabhupada's uh, mission, uh, if you look at the history at the time he published Nectar Devotion, you look at the letters, the conversations, and so on. He often emphasized um, for those those who were like committed to practicing bhakti, basically like committed devotees. This was a book for them, you know. This 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 was the science of Krishna consciousness or, or bhakti. Um, you know, of course, outreach was a major theme and, and these things as, as well. But when it came to practicing devotees, this was a book Prabhupada highlighted. Um, although I don't intend to, you know, we could spend the whole the whole lecture. Uh, kind of give, going through different quotes of Prabhupada just emphasizing this nectar of devotion. But one that stands out nicely, I think, which is worth sharing, I think it's quite sweet also, because um, it, it connects to our, to our lineage, um, is in, in a talk he gave in Vrindavan uh, on nectar devotion. Um, so he said, uh, my Guru Maharaj, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, he used to advise to read Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, everyone after initiation, at least he advised me. So this Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is very important as a study book for the Vaishnavas. It is the science of devotional service. And, and uh, in, in his preface also, Srila Prabhupada said that um, persons engaged in the Krishna consciousness movement may take advantage of this great literature and be very solidly situated in Krishna consciousness. So he's really like emphasizing that um, for, for those who have kind of said, okay, this is my life. Uh, you know, this is what I, what I want to be about, bhakti. Uh, this, is, this is the book to tell you how to do that. You know, this is, this is what, where it's at. Um, so uh, to come even closer to home for us personally, uh, for many of us on the call uh, who are either students of our Guru Maharaj um, or are inspired by our Guru Maharaj, um, Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Maharaj, um, there's a couple of interesting notes in relation to Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu um, with, with him also. Um, I'm sure many of you know, uh, he's often commented that he spent time um, with Bhakti Rakshak Srila Bhakti Rakshak Srida Maharaj when he would see him in Navadweep, he spent some of that time studying Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu with him, um, which is which is quite a nice nice bit of history. And, and our Guru Maharaj also um, funded the first printing of Srila Naraya Maharaj's um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu. Um, so you can see this in the acknowledgements in the first edition, if any of you have that, or you, I think you can find it online also. And but more recently, when he was asked what uh, we're all eagerly anticipating is his new book, right? Uh, when when it's time, uh, the time is right. But um, when he was asked recently about what he, he considers writing next, uh, one of the inspirations he said he's had is a condensed form of um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So uh, it's quite um, a unique text, uh, an important text, sorry, and we're crossing our fingers on that one. Um, but um, personally, for me also, in my early days of Krishna consciousness, um, I was taught many wrong things about Raghunuga Bhakti, for example, uh, that I really felt afterwards I needed to clear up um, after the experience. And although I don't, in, don't intend to speak directly on Bhakti, uh, Raghunuga Bhakti, although I'm sure it will come up indirectly related to some of the topics we get into, for anyone wanting to go deeper on, into that, on the Shabda Brahman website, um, there's a nice section on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And uh, our Guru Maharaj has given wonderful lectures on, on this topic of Raghunuga Bhakti, I, I highly recommend. And also I, I mentioned earlier about um, Padmanabhan Maharaj's series on Raghavatma Chandrika. Um, so, so as a book, in itself, there have been signs again and again. It's something that personally I need to pay attention to on my journey. And so hopefully 
uh, be able to share something something helpful uh, through these um, through these series this series. Um, so, although there are many topics dealt with in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, I think one of the main themes, and actually the theme of of all our scriptural canons, is about refining our desire. Right? If we if we think about it. Um, by nature, we're desiring beings. Uh, obviously, I'm putting it in a quite a simplistic way, um, but if you think like karmis or th those who are in the realm of karma um, desire happiness from material things, whereas uh, jnanis, uh, they desire happiness, uh, but by being free of material entanglement. And then obviously bhaktas or devotees desire to bring Krishna pleasure. Um, and then I guess on the topmost platform, you could say Radha desires to bring uh, pleasure to Krishna and Krishna desires to bring ple pleasure to Radha. So um, obviously in between all these things, there are many shades of gray and I'm putting it in quite a simplistic way, but at, at, at our essence, that's what we're about. We're desiring beings. And so on that note, there are many angles we could explore this theme in, in relation to Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Let's say, you know, in a liberated stage, let's say, a bhava bhakta or a prema bhakta, um, they desire to bring pleasure to Krishna in various ways through rasa, hence the name Rasaraj of Krishna. And the invocation of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu um, proclaims him as uh, Akila Rasamrita Murti, so the embodiment of all rasas or all flavors of love. And so this book actually is mostly on that, those topics about refining one's desire according to a particular taste. But that, of course, is a whole topic in itself and not one I personally feel uh, I have the adhikara to speak on so much, you know, not more on, than on a theoretical level. But there are many nice talks on, on the Shabda Brahman website and also different devotees have been given in the Tattvavik series. Um, but we're going to mainly be swimming or paddling in the Eastern Ocean uh, and actually like mainly the first two chapters um, and explore this concept of refining our desire so that maybe um, we can embrace those higher concepts beyond the theoretical um, level at some point. So this refining of desire uh, is brought out in that famous verse that defines um, Uttama Bhakti, um, um, we'll get into, we'll, we'll read the translation in a little bit and get into um, the, the meaning of that. But um, what the point of it is that uh, the whole Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu kind of revolves around this verse. This is the, the thesis, you could say, the driving um, verse from which all the topics proceed from. But before we get into that, I, don't, I know, know you might be hanging for the translation if you don't already know, although I, I'm sure most of you already know this translation. But um, before we want to get, get to that, I want to rewind a bit just to kind of set the stage and uh, to the Bhagavad Gita. So we, we can see uh, this refining of one's desire is quite prominent in the flow of the Gita. Um, I see Shamananda Prabhu there. Um, he recently gave this really nice series on um, uh, Bhagavad Gita on the first chapter. And um, one of the things he brought out there, I think it was in the first, first um, class, but it, this concept of selfishness to selflessness. You know, uh, and I, I think that's a really great lens to uh, view the Gita through. I know um, Ashram Maharaj, he also he wrote an article along these lines. Uh, it's a nice article you can find on the Harmonist. And our Guru Maharaj has spoken on it in various ways also. This concept of um, selfishness uh, to selflessness and how, how the Gita kind of takes one through that. 
Uh, and we, we have a weekly uh, Gita, Gita study group here, um, a local amongst local devotees. And something that struck me recently, we were in on the second chapter, and it's quite interesting uh, in Krishna's discourse to Arjuna. Uh, quite early on, he's first he's addressing um, Arjuna's arguments on the platform of Dharma, because you remember many of Arjuna's arguments were on this platform of Dharma or Karmakanda. Uh, and Krishna, to encourage him to fight, he invokes that prospect of the heavenly kingdom uh, or heavenly gain, sorry, or the kingdom on earth, or even he like kind of prods him with his prestige of a great warrior. So he's kind of, you know, and this, these kind of material things we might think. Um, but in the very next verse, he, he retires that motivation very quickly, right? He, he's, um, he says, don't be concerned for victory or defeat, happiness, distress, or any of these things. Um, so I find it quite interesting, even there, Krishna in the Gita, you know, he says, and we know, as we progress through the Gita, ultimately he says, do it out of love for me, because Krishna never wavers um, from encouraging Arjuna to fight. Every step of the way, he's saying, Arjuna fight, Arjuna fight, Arjuna fight. But the motivation behind the fighting gets more and more refined. So it's going from karma kanda to nishkama karma yoga and so on and so on, and ultimately full surrender to Krishna. And so that's all coming from Krishna's own instructions. Krishna is encouraging him on all these levels or all these levels of refinement, let's say, um, but obviously to bring him to the highest, highest place. Um, so to jump from the Gita to the Bhagavatam, uh, we, we recently heard these wonderful classes. Guru Maharaj gave this wonderful class on um, Bhagavan Narsingadev. And, and this was one of the favorites, obviously, of Lord Chaitanya to hear, um, recited by Sri Gadadar Pandit. Um, and Prahlad, of course, amongst uh, many things, he's an emblem of Sharanagati, someone who could approach uh, even the most ferocious form of the Lord, because uh, he's free from material desires. Uh, even the demigods were a bit afraid to approach Lord Narsingadev. Um, and a lot, a lot could be drawn from that. But the other pastime I wanted to focus on in relation to what we're discussing today is the other pastime that Mahaprabhu loved to hear. Um, and of course, that was that, that of Dhruva Maharaj. Um, and so many things can be drawn from that Leela, and especially as I've understood, one of the main points for us as sadhakas or practitioners of bhakti is developing that firm determination that Dhruva Maharaj had, um, as well as obviously glorifying the power of bhakti that even when it's practiced in a mixed way, you know, it, it gives such great results. Um, I believe Dhruva Maharaj, he's sometimes given as an example of uh, like materialistic devotee or Kama Mishra Bhakta. Um, but at least at that point in his, his progression in, in the Bhagavatam. Uh, but obviously another and probably the most remembered pa uh, point from that Leela or that pastime, at least, at least in my, my experience, is that Dhruva, upon attaining realization of Vishnu, he realized he probably wasted his time with such an intense desire because um, in his words, the kingdom that he's now going to was desiring and is now going to attain, they were like pieces of glass compared to the most valuable jewel um, that he attained, obviously, when he had Darshan of Vishnu. So he kind of realized how insignificant that desire was. And so, yeah, one takeaway is that the bhakti practices are so powerful in themselves, but to use them for something material is a waste of time. And so this might not even be a kingdom, you know, we might not be after a kingdom and these kind of things, but it can be subtle things, you know, might even be like the pride of being a great devotee and so on. I mean, there are so many things and we might find that we've got some of those things in ourselves, especially if you study um, Madhurya Kadambini and see the obstacles that devotees face, especially in the early stages of practicing bhakti. 
But uh, to kind of like bring it back to where we're going, that if we can at least recognize those things, if we have this conceptual orientation of what Uttama Bhakti is and what it isn't, then we can refine and refine our desire. And that's a big part of what Sadhana Bhakti is about. It's about refining our desire. So at least until one gets to the stage of Nishta or Ruchi, um, because as we mentioned earlier, there's also refining of one's desire in those stages too, especially in Ruchi, but that takes a different form. But from, from where we are, um, at least personally speaking, uh, this, this concept's also there in, in these stages of, of sadhana, um, early stages of sadhana even. Um, our Guru Maharaj sometimes says that bhakti is not a practice to be done without being thoughtful or reflective. So it's not that we like unconsciously go full steam ahead, um, although that might be needed at some stages to get going. I know I've been there for sure. Uh, it's just kind of, okay, just, just do it. And you kind of do it mindlessly for a while, but at some point, uh, I think we've all had the experience, you got to slow down a little bit and think about what you're doing. I know Guru Maharaj speaks about his experience on this. Um, but after all, any connection to bhakti, even unfortunately we know is so beneficial, but how much more so if we, we refine those motivations, refine those desires, because Krishna, as he says in the Gita, as we approach him, um, or as we surrender and so on, I, you know, I reciprocate accordingly. He reciprocates according to how we approach. So this points out another um, aspect of the grace of Sadhu Sangha, that to have a devotee like Rupa Goswami uh, mark all these things out and have these points brought out by Sadhu, such as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, our own Guru Maharaj, and other great Vaishnavas, we can go deeper into our own practice. Uh, and so this is one way that mercy or grace manifests itself. You know, sometimes we think in the beginning, we might hear things like this, it's, it's gonna be like a magic force. If I just surrender, um, you know, if I surrender, then I'll get this mag magic laser or whatever from Guru. And then now we're pure all of a sudden because I'm surrendering, right? And we all know that that's not the case. That's not the experience. Um, even just the but even just the conceptual orientation that is brought out in these texts and by our teachers and so on shines a light on, on those things that we may need to refine within ourselves and gives us that motivation to do so at the same time. Sometimes personally speaking, uh, you know, I know I can get caught up even in the philosophy of things and the higher topics and even the practices of bhakti and sometimes kind of forget or kind of lose focus of the reason why I'm doing them. Um, and so obviously bhakti is extremely powerful in all her forms and any connection is a great thing. Uh, but thankfully, we've also got good sadhu sangha. So we can also kind of learn to refine, refine our desires and refine how we move forward in bhakti. And so this brings us now to kind of the driving verse that um, at least for today, but also for the for the rest of the sessions, because as I say, this is really the thesis of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And so that's this verse 111, that obviously I, I'm sure most of you are well aware of. So I'm going to read um, uh, Banu Swami. I'm sure there are other translations, but Banu Swami's translation. Um, uh, Maharaj, uh, he he's got um, a nice nice edition that has um, commentaries of Jiva Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, and so he defines in this way. He translates in this way: the highest bhakti is defined as continuous service or emotions directed towards Krishna, his expansion forms, or others related to him, with a pleasing attitude towards Krishna. It should be devoid of desires 
other than the desire to please the Lord and unobstructed by impersonal jnana, the materialistic rituals of karma or other unfavorable acts. So as I say, this, this verse, it's the thesis of the whole rest of the book and the whole, not only the book, but the whole practice of our sampradaya revolves around this verse, at least to my understanding. Uh, and I don't intend to go today to go through word by word uh, and, and these kind of things and go into it. Although I do recommend anyone interested, do read the commentaries of Jiva Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. It brings out a lot of the meaning of this verse and goes into the different characteristics of bhakti. But I don't intend to go into these like the Swarup Lakshan and the Tatashta Lakshan, the internal characteristics or the, or the primary characteristics and the secondary characteristics. But more in relation to our discussion of refining our desire, we might read that um, verse. Uh, I know personally, I've sometimes had this feeling, you read this verse and think, well, I may as well close the book now, right? I just may as well close the book now. Because apart from, let's say, unfavorable acts I might engage in or lack of continuous service, you know, I'm certainly not serving 24 seven, I'm not in continuous service. And nor can I say that I'm devoid of desires other than the desire to please the Lord. I'd like to be, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not there, you know? Um, and so this is what this series is going to explore from, from a few different angles. Some of you may indeed fit this definition. Um, and I guess in sadhana bhakti, this could be applied to someone, maybe at Nishta or, or maybe Ruchi. I think Ruchi more corresponds with retiring of material desires and is more considered Shuddha bhakti, depending on, I guess, who, who's defining, but but uh, um, but what about those who have nishta as our interim goal, as Guru Maharaj might say? Like, how, how does this verse and the rest of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu apply to us? Um, and so that's kind of what this series is about. Um, and of course, I spent uh, you know quite a bit of the first part of this talk uh, emphasizing the text. Um, so it's obviously not my feeling that we should just close the book, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have uh, chosen, chosen it as the, the theme or the book to, to kind of focus on. So I think the main takeaway for today and something that we're going to explore for the rest of the series um, is that we are students of this verse. I like this kind of um, conceptual orientation, as Guru Maharaj might say, you know, that we're, we're students of this verse. And so the more we understand and refine our desire, the closer we'll come to embodying it fully. So ne next time, um, we're going to explore Adhikar a little more, which will hopefully make things more encouraging for us who are wondering where we might fit in the culture of Uttama Bhakti, even if we're still in the early stages. But I think it's an important one, because just to give an example for... Um, not, not so recent, but I, I, I have um, a good friend of mine, a very, very nice devotee. I sometimes have conversations with um, on various things. And, and one, I remember we were having a discussion on this verse and he had this conception that this verse only applies to uh, Mahabhagavat devotees or those beyond sadhana, that it doesn't really apply to us. And it didn't really make sense to me. Um, because this is the thesis of the whole book, as I say, it's like this is kind of where everything else that Rupa Goswami is going to talk about is, is kind of springboarding from or trying, trying to emphasize and, and shine light on. Um, so we had like a friendly discussion um, and, and after, after a few days, he sent me a message, a really nice message that kind of confirmed um, th this, this understanding that 
uh, he had read in his his, his Guru Maharaj's uh, Madhuri Kadambini that he, one can be practicing pure bhakti or uttama bhakti even in the sadhana stage, at least in the context of this being a school of pure bhakti. So sometimes there can be a tendency because we hear things that are actually very high. You know, I'm sure those of you have been around a while, you've heard, you know, so many high topics and so many, you know, speaking about bhava and prema and all these things. They're certainly we should hear about. They're wonderful. You know, I, I, I personally, I, I enjoy hearing about them and, and, and like this. But we may feel when we hear some of these things, uh, we may feel and may very well be far away from that goal. And it can be quite disheartening. And sometimes even if, we, if we're not quite clear on, on the path of bhakti, it can be quite disempowering as well, as if, as if we need to wait for permission to practice pure bhakti in the sense that I'm talking about it. Um, so actually, this is this is the reason why books like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu are written, and Madhuri Kadambini, and so on. So we can start refining our desire from day one if we've decided I'm seriously committing to this path. You know, this is the reason why I do my practices. Um, and obviously, Shravanam is such an important limb of Bhakti because hearing about these things, especially from those who who actually have attained these things and like that, um, you know, they they really help us contemplate these things and remind ourselves of why we're doing the things we're doing. Why are we doing, you know, uh, what is this, this science of devotion <laughs> like that? So the point is, is our Guru Maharaj sometimes puts it in this way that to e even have a sense of Prema Bhakti as being our goal, you know, that the Bhakti herself is the way to attain it, to have this sense um, is to have been touched by this bhakti in some kind of way. You know, the Uttama Bhakti, uh, as undoubtedly anyone here in these talks uh, will have been, um, has given us this invitation. Bhakti Devi has given us this invitation. Um, I think that's a nice way of putting it because um, just, just to even like have a sense of that, you know, that's an invitation in itself. Now, what we do with that invitation obviously is down to us, but, um, and obviously, you know, the mercy receive along the way, which comes from Sadhu Sangha, but but it's really that invitation's already been there. We don't need permission to practice Uttama Bhakti because that that's the school that we're in. Uh, so, for example, go into the translation of that verse. We may not be continuously engaged in service, which really, uh, as I understand, is there at the stage of nishta. Um, but if, if we have um, set that the reason for our practice to come to this stage in the context of the whole path, then we're in that school of Uttama Bhakti. We're not aiming for a kingdom like Dhruva Maharaj, right, by our practice, at least hopefully not. <laughs> you know, We're not chanting our, our japa thinking, oh, you know, I'd really like... Um, you know, to have a big castle or whatever it is. <laughs> we, we've all got our different desires, right? Um, mine's not a castle for the record. Um, so um, it's true, uh, you know, we might have other interests. So this, this is, I guess this is, this is an important point. It's true we might have other interests in our hearts, other desires in our hearts as well. Um, and so in the entire context of this, the meaning of this verse, or the context of Uttama Bhakti as a whole, the whole book of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, let's say, we may be far from being pure devotees. Not everyone, of course. I, I know there's quite a wide range of devotees on, uh, who listen to these talks. So, I, you know, I'm speaking more from where I'm at, <laughs> but um, I'm sure many of you can relate also. Though, although we may be far from being pure devotees in the strictest sense of the term, 
as we know, Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada would often say, um, well, I don't know often, but I know he has said, um, you know, that all my devotees are pure devotees. And that's kind of the whole point of Sadhana Bhakti section of the book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is to bring one from those very early stages all the way to the topmost goal. And part of that includes either clearing these other interests from our hearts or bringing them into relation to Bhakti somehow or other. Um, but the eligibility to walk that path in the, in the first place to, to, is faith, actually, is faith in the process, you know, shraddha, um, or, or as, as, as I mentioned, a sense that by engaging in this practice, these other things will become less significant uh, or will be able to dovetail them, you know, to, to use a Prabhupadism like that. Uh, and then we can embody this 1111 verse in, in the fullest sense. So we, we have gained eligibility. It may not be by our own doing, as we know, you know, it may, it's by mercy really, um, but so it may not be by our own doing, but by having come in contact with devotees who embody this directly or indirectly, uh, we have that eligibility. So what, that's what we're gonna be exploring more in this series is, is refining this intention behind our practice. And you know, even even if we do find we have other desires um, and these things, and that's something we'll get into in later sessions, how we perform our bhakti practices. Um, but really, we're performing them to come closer to Krishna, to serving Him, to serving His devotees, and so on. And it might not mean that our desires instantly vanish, uh, but they won't. But even though they won't instantly vanish, they won't become a covering on our practice. I, I I've read previously um, Guru Maharaj. Um, our Guru Maharaj um, having a conversation with a scholar on this on this topic and it makes this point that this meaning one of the meanings of this word or, or kind of the essence of the meaning is a covering on bhakti when it relates to karma kanda um, and yang kanda for example like this and so similarly with our other desires they shouldn't become a covering on our practice obviously if we um, following Dhruva Maharaj's footsteps in the fullest sense of the term, then, then maybe it, it would be a covering on our bhakti, you know. But if we just follow his determination uh, like this, um, but with this conceptual orientation, then, then it's, it won't become a covering on our practice. Um, because we know we're practicing rather to, at this stage, let's say, to cleanse our hearts or to redirect them, at least until we're in higher stages. So, although we may be beginners, we can we can engage in processes of uttama bhakti. So this is shravanam, kirtanam, and so on, and and this is a great blessing even to to be able to do that. You know, um, yeah. So I mean, I kind of I'm repeating myself a lot in what I'm saying. I know, um, and I'm 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 also being a bit simplistic, and that's something we're gonna go deeper into. I think in in future sessions. Um, but part of this understanding and part, part of, of this path and Maduri Kandambini and so on is that it lays out many of the obstacles we may face while traversing this path of Uttama Bhakti, uh, even before the stage of Nishta, for example. Sometimes, you know, because the Bhagavatam even says, uh, you know, this verse that um, Gorasunda Prabhu was exploring, these verses he was exploring, you know, really it speaks about Naishtika Bhakti, right? This, this Nishta Bhakti continuous bhakti and like this is is what really leads to um bhava which is the purpose of sadhana and like that but as we know um even the stages before that have been laid out by our acharyas you know they've been laid out by um vishwanath chakravarti thakur uh, in madhurya kadambini and and so on um and so so it's really great because it means th this is also by their mercy this is also part of the path and so even though we might get distracted in anishta bhajana kriya sometimes and these kind of things 
especially as the purifying process brings out some of our conditioning, that if, if we continue um, on this and, and obviously work to overcome these things, and Krishna will teach us along the way, Guru will teach us along the way and, and these things, then, then actually we're, we're on this path of Uttama Bhakti. There was a nice interview with Guru Nishta Prabhu, I think, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but I, I've only recently got, to, got around to hearing it. And, and he was speaking about his experience with this, that you know a lot of our conditioning, when we really take up this process quite sincerely, um, and quite dedicated or as much as we can from where we're at then uh, a lot of our conditioning does come out you know we see we, we can really like recognize i guess it relates to i've often heard it related to this pastime of churning the ocean uh, in the bhagavatam you know a lot of the poison comes out first before the nectar comes out and so on a lot of our anartas come before us a lot of our obstacles and so on but we're in good hands could, because we've got good sadhu sangha who can help us navigate these things and help us stay um, connected to our practice and this is a, another reason why texts like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu are so important, even if some of the things might be theoretical at this stage. And obviously hearing Qatar, especially, you know, hearing our Guru Maharaj and other, other saintly devotees um, is so, so important and such an important part of the process. Um, and so, yeah, so, so this is what, what this series is, is going to be about, about refining our desires with, with very powerful practices. Um, Really, yeah, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but just to make the point that we aren't doing these practices for any reason except to make advancement in spiritual life, you know, to come to a place where, where everything we do is to satisfy Krishna's desire. And it may take some time, but that's okay. Uh, patience is a virtue, uh, as it said, you know, that there's no better goal to strive for. And so the more we hear about this goal as well, we understand that, yeah, how can there be a better goal to strive for? So we, you know, whether we're pure bhaktas or not pure bhaktas in the fullest sense of the term, we're practicing pure bhakti because we've been touched by Mahaprabhu's school. And, um, and so because we've been touched by Mahaprabhu's school, we can be certain we're students in that school if we've made that kind of the, 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 the goal, Druva's pole star, so to speak, of our, um, of our, our path or where we're going with what we want. Um, so, yeah, it, I guess Guru Maharaj sometimes makes this point that the more we hear about these things uh, and we understand the ideal, the more we understand how attractive it is and why it's worth doing, there's sometimes the uncomfortable feeling of cleansing our hearts, you know, uh, but also we can also be realistic about the stages that we're going through from where we're at and these things and the challenges we face so that we can practice in a healthy and progressive way because that's really really you know krishna even in the gita he speaks so much on this concept of balance right the balance is so important and so so by by understanding these things and, and exploring these things that i hope hopefully for myself and hopefully others can can gain something from it this series is going to kind of explore these kind of this refining our desire and re refining our conceptual orientation on, on many of these things that even we might take for granted sometimes. And so I'm very much appreciating the Tata of Vivek series for, the, for these reasons too, to he hearing different stories and perspectives on the path that we all, we all find ourselves on, right? Anyone who's tuned in right now, you know, this is the path you find yourself on. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be tuned in otherwise. So with that, I know it's, it's a little early, but I'm gonna end, I'm gonna take um, Brigopad Prabhu's advice. You know, he said keep 40 minutes or so is kind of a good, good amount of time. Um, and so I, I'm gonna, I'd like to end with one quote uh, I read recently from, from my Guru Maharaj that I think captures 
what this Refining Our Desires series will be exploring, um, especially for those who are still feeling the pull of karma while actually wanting to embrace this ideal of the 111 verse. So this was, this was in a, a Sangha from many years ago. He used to have this newsletter, this Q&A. And so I'm just gonna read an excerpt. It, it was to do along the lines, the question was to do with what uh, this verse in the Gita of what will repression accomplish? And so I'm just gonna read an excerpt from that answer to conclude with. Overall, we should know that progressive spiritual culture does not involve black and white determinations with regard to our karmic nature. If the pure white of spiritual reality is our ideal, over time, this pure ideal will pull us from the black abyss of our lower nature, albeit passing through many shades of gray along the way. So I'll read it one more time. Overall, we should know that progressive spiritual culture does not involve black and white determinations with regard to our karmic nature. If the pure white of spiritual reality is our ideal, over time, this pure ideal will pull us from the black abyss of our lower nature, albeit passing through many shades of gray along the way. So with that, um, I think I'm gonna conclude, because uh, then we're gonna kind of go on to different topics for the next time, although obviously related, all, all to do with this refining our desire. So I guess I can open up if anyone has any comments or realizations or, or corrections um, or questions, please uh, feel free. I think you can unmute yourself. I'll make sure of that in a second. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I think also, I think the idea is is questions in the Tatva Vivek group in, on Facebook also, but feel free. I know I've left quite a lot of space before the usual ending. So <laughs> feel free if you have anything to add or just, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you can all unmute yourself if you like. I'll leave it a minute or two. Just a second. No. Dhanavad Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Jai. Thank you. Thank you very much for this, this presentation. I really liked how enthusiastic and <laughs> and and uh, I, I very much liked liked your presentation. Thank you. uh, I just wanted to to ask: uh, uh, do do you feel reading uh, Shla Prabhupada's uh, Nectar of Devotion is uh, what's the difference between that and the Banu Maharaj's translation, for example? Mm -hmm. do, do you feel you get kind of the same out of both? That's a great question. Yeah, thank you, Prabhu, and thank you for your encouragement. Um, I really appreciated your classes on how to give class. So, you know, I'm still learning, but um, but yeah, that, that's a great question. And and I think I think an important thing to note on Srila Prabhupada's Nectar of Devotion is that it is a summary study of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Uh, we here, we we um, for some time. Um, we, we've got like a mixed Sangha, different, different Sanghas come together, together different missions. And we, we were studying um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu together. And the kind of the way we approached it um, was we would start with the section related to the verses in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu from Srila Prabhupada's Nectar of Devotion. And then we would read this book, uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with Waves of Devotion um, by uh, Danudara Maharaj. Um, and so that, that's quite nice because he wrote that, I believe, before Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu was translated by Banu Swami. So um, he, uh, he, he, I think he, he um, 
took a lot of what is there from the source text. I believe he also spoke to many sadhus, I believe Srila Narayan Maharaj and some others. And, and so he kind of was, was fleshing out some more also and, and, and kind of explaining some of Sri, what Srila Prabhupada had written in, in Nectar of Devotion for devotees to go deeper into that text. So as a kind of study guide along with it. And then obviously now we, we've got the good fortune of having these commentaries directly translated, uh, Vishwanath Chagavadi Thakur and, um, and Jiva Goswami, Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, but in, in regards to your question, I, th I think Nectar Devotion is wonderful and I, I, I do recommend reading it, but I, I, I do think it is important um, for, for devotees also uh, to read it alongside, whether it's with this the, the source text or, or with some devotees who can explain things, because I think there are some things in there that need more explaining. I'll, just to give one example, I know it's the famous example, but let's take Raganuga Bhakti, this, the section on Raganuga Bhakti, that sometimes I think, and I don't know whether it's um, editorial errors or, or what, and these kind of things, but um, there, there is some, some, sometimes Srila Prabhupada will use the term Raganuga Bhakti in, in quite um, a general way sometimes in terms of re relating it to spontaneous devotion, you know, and at least my experience, I know, uh, I, I've seen sometimes devotee take that, devotees can take that, uh, especially in the early stages as let's just, I'm being spontaneous, okay, I'm practicing Raganuga Bhakti, you know, and it becomes a kind of, just because I do something spontaneous, whereas in Vaidhi Bhakti, as we know, Vaidhi Bhakti, uh, as, as a path into itself to attain, let's say, um, Vaikuntha and so on. There's, it's not that there's no spontaneity there, especially in um, higher stages and these things. It's more the motivation behind which um, we practice that bhakti. And so for me personally, I feel I wouldn't have been able to come to that understanding of Raganuga Bhakti and I guess the nuances, especially in relation to our particular school, our particular Sampradaya, without the um, source texts um, translated, um, or at least devotees like our Guru Maharaj, for example, and others explaining these things um, just by reading Nectar of Devotion. But I, I do recommend reading it. It's a wonderful, it's my favorite book. I, I, I also loved um, Vishnu Jan Swami's enthusiasm in the early days for Nectar of Devotion. If you ever read this book, uh, Radha Damodar Vilas, um, he, uh, it's about Vishnu Jan Swami and Jayananda. Uh, um, and Prabhu, and, and that's really wonderful too, the, his enthusiasm for Nectar Devotion. He also has some nice classes. There's only two or three recordings, but he gave some classes on Nectar Devotion. And in, in the early state, early days of my, my Bhakti practice, I found them so, so nourishing. I, I listened to them over and over, you know, they I, just isn't, like you say, his enthusiasm and these things, I, I really appreciated them. So, um, so yeah, sorry, I quite long-winded, but yeah, I, I, I recommend it, but I think that it's good to have the two together personally. Thank you. I just wanted to say another thing. Uh, one book that I personally recommend is uh, Bon Maharaja's edition of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Oh. Oh, thank you. He, trans he translated only the first uh, quarter, uh, but it's very nicely done. Mm. Uh, it came out in 1966 or something like that. Uh, Prabhupada, he didn't always have a very uh, harmonious relationship with Bon Maharaj, but even he liked uh, this book. Yes, mm. Sindhu. He he summarizes the commentaries of Jiva Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravarti, and also Mukundadas Goswami. Oh. So it's uh, it's a very nice book, and I think it's available online as well. Oh, thank you. That's definitely on the to buy list then, the wish list. Sort of. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, any, anyone else have any anything they'd like to add before we finish up? Haribo. Haribo. Oh, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the class. No, I'm very, very excited for the coming ones. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, I wanted to, to just mention also, I think this edition of, of Bon Maharaj that Prigur just mentioned mm. uh, was the one that Gurumaraj was studying at Srila Srila Maharaj's uh, place, if, if I remember right. I think he said that. Ah, oh, nice. And, uh, and there, is a, there is a PDF available online of it. Oh, thank you uh, so much for sharing. Yeah, and, definitely, uh, definitely get that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I wanted to say also that I heard Gurumaraj say in a lecture in, at Odaria that, um, that he was encouraging devotees to, to learn uh, the, Eastern, the Eastern wave of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu inside out, uh, mm. back, like, uh, back and forth inside out kind of. And because <laughs> uh, uh, he said it, it should be given to the world like what is in there. <laughs> so I'm just transferring this uh, burden to you that I heard. <laughs> uh, that, that's really appreciated. It's encouraging to hear, you know, because it's, it's yeah, it's, it is such a special book, I think. I, there's, there's, for me personally, like I say, I, I've found it so encouraging every step of the way, you know, and it's, um, as I say, I'm no expert in it, and it, but it's something I'd like to. So that's that's encouraging to hear that that was Guru Maharaj's instructions. You know, okay, we must we must know it inside out, and back to front, and these things. And um, yeah, and th thank you also for for the addition on on uh, what it was Guru Maharaj was studying. Also, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to check this edition out. I've uh, I've not come across it myself. Ah. Mm. Okay, so so yeah, hopefully um, we some of the Spanish-speaking devotees, you know, that there, there's a, a great service opportunity for someone there. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely. So, thank you, Prabhu, and thank you for for your translating too. I hope I wasn't too uh, um, babbling <laughs> motor mouth sometimes. Okay, so unless there's any other um, thoughts or comments, um, I guess we'll wrap up for now and then, um, yeah, we'll continue next week and looking forward to more of the, the type of Vivek series through the week. It's, uh, it's trying to stay on top of it is, is a, a great savor in itself, isn't it? It's, it's really wonderful. We're, we're drowning in, uh, <laughs> in Qatar. So let's keep that up. And, um, and so, yeah, so thank you everybody, Hare Krishna. Vanchakal Patarubhyas Cha, Kripa Sindhubi Eva Cha, Patitanam Bhavani, Vishnu Devi Om Namo Namo. Mohan Prabhu Ki Jai. 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 Jai.